What, are you kidding me? From 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 24. I uh, heard about eight-year-old Johnny. Johnny was sitting in church watching as the third Advent candle was lit. And as the flames sputtered and then grew to life, Johnny tugged on his mother's arm and asked loudly, why are they lighting another candle, Mom? His mother, of course, leaned down and as quietly as possible explained, we're getting ready for Jesus to get here. And quickly, Johnny shot back, well, I sure wish he'd hurry up. Ever feel that way? I wish things would just hurry up. We just heard our text today read from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonian church. And those early Christians, they wanted to hurry things up as well as it related to the coming of Jesus. In fact, his second coming is a major subject in both of Paul's letters to the Thessalonian church. The Thessalonians were consumed by this future event. Many questions and doubts arose in their minds. Living in the in-between time is not always the easiest place to live. And so Paul writes to them to explain how they should live until Jesus comes again. And in his closing prayer, which you just heard Jim read, Paul mentions the God of peace who will make us blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in this often hurried up Christmas season that we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, we also want to think about the one that is to come again, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. And that word peace, that's something that is not often found in our world today. Whether it's the conflict in the Middle East, whether it's the struggles in the heart of a teenager, if it's uh, between two protesting factions here in our nation, or uh, in the worried mind of someone living on a fixed income, peace can be a very rare commodity. And for those early Christians in the Thessalonian church, peace was also rare. There was anxiety about those who had died before Christ's return. There was concern about the coming of the Lord and his timing and its nature. And there was even fear that they had somehow missed the second coming of Jesus. But Paul reassures them all with his letters. And in essence, he says to them and he says to us, chill out, relax. Instead of fear and anxiety and doubt, Paul instructs the church to be at peace among yourselves. And so if we are to truly experience the blessing of the Prince of Peace, we have to learn to live in peace with one another and with God. And so in our text today, Paul provides us what we might think of as a recipe for living in peace. He shows us all the way to peace while we wait for the return of the Prince of Peace. And so let's consider a couple of things. First of all, let's consider that we experience peace by living obediently. By living obediently. In verses 16 through 18, Paul lists these three characteristics of peace-filled people. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in 
all circumstances. These three statements are what are officially called imperatives. That means that they're commands. This is not advice. This is not wise counsel. These are not ideas to think about. They are direct commands from the apostle to Christ's church. And these commands are for us. They, are, they sound remarkably, by the way, like his, uh, Paul's direction in another uh, letter of his, to the, the letter to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, but in Philippians, Paul also includes the results when we do these things. He says in Philippians 4, um, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great phrase? The peace that surpasses our own understanding. You see, peace at Christmas or at any time is possible, but only when we obey the words of God. If we're going to experience peace in the church or in our culture or in our personal lives this Christmas season, then these big three are essential. And we will only experience peace by living peacefully, which must include an attitude of joy, consistent prayer, and a thankful heart. A, a woman was sitting on her living room couch one day when a snake slithered out. This woman was deathly afraid of snakes, and so she dashed into the bathroom to get her husband, who was in the shower. He quickly grabbed a towel and put it around his waist, and on the way to the living room, he grabbed a broom. The wife then went to the bedroom, and she locked the door. The husband took the broom, and using the handle, he tried to get the snake out from under the couch. Well, while he was doing this, the family dog woke up and wondered what all the commotion was about, and so, of course, he trotted out into the room and he touched his cold nose to the backside of the man's bare foot. Well, the man jumped, thinking that he had been bitten by the snake, and he passed out. Well, after a few minutes, the wife, not hearing any more sounds from the living room, came to see what might be going on. She saw her husband lying on the floor and she assumed that he'd had a heart attack. And so she ran outside to the neighbor's house to call 911. Well, the paramedics arrived in short order, and they ran into the house. And of course, they picked the husband up, and they put him on a stretcher. And as they were carrying him out of the house, that snake came crawling out from under the couch. Well, one of the paramedics, who was also deathly afraid of snakes, dropped the stretcher, and he ran. <laughs> the husband fell off the stretcher, and he broke his arm. The wife, seeing the broken arm and the snake going out the door, fainted. And you could say it was just one of those days. Just one of those days. Have you ever had one of those days? You know the kind I'm talking about, right? When you woke up on the wrong side of the bed and things just went from bad to worse. And sometimes it's not just a day, is it? Sometimes it's one of those weeks or one of those months or one of those years, nothing seems to work out. Everything is a mess. Pressure and problems never seem to go away. It's kind of like the old adage, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Well, I don't ascribe to luck much. I think that there is a plan and a purpose in life. And even if I don't understand it all, 
You know who does? God does. God does. But you know, God doesn't expect us to understand it all. You know what he expects? He expects us to live in obedience to him. And that's why Paul gives us this short list of what we might call holy habits. As we live them out, even when they don't make sense, we find that we do experience the peace that surpasses our own understanding. And that is how we can come to rejoice always. We can come to pray continually. And yes, we can come to give thanks in every circumstance. I heard of the story of a man who just was one of these guys that constantly had a positive attitude. You know the kind of person I'm talking about. Sometimes they're even a little annoying they're so positive. Well, this guy was always positive about anything and everything. And there was a day, maybe it was a day like today. There was a, a day where the weather was extremely miserable. It was rainy. It was cold. It was overcast. The wind was blowing. And it was gloomy. And he walked to church that Sunday. And as he walked in, the pastor asked him if he would give the opening prayer that morning. And you know what that man said? He started out by saying, Lord, I am thankful. I'm thankful that all days are not like this day. <laughs> Isn't that great? All days are not like this day. We are to give thanks continually in every circumstance. But when we do, and only when we do, we can find the peace that surpasses our own understanding. Even when the snake is slithering by, even when the bodies are dropping, and when it's just one of those days, or months, or years, we can experience peace when we live obediently. When we live obediently. Well, next, we find out that we can experience peace not just when we live obediently, but when we are yielding completely. When we are yielding completely. The second way to peace in our hearts and in the church involves the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that in verses 19 through 22 of our text. God's Spirit must be given free reign in our hearts and in His church. His word must be proclaimed and his people must test everything. In celebrating the coming of the Prince of Peace, our personal lives often are anything but peaceful. Christmas can be a crazy time, can it? Flaring department store tempers, churning checkout line stomachs, parking lot brawls at the mall. And so Paul gives us several more imperatives, several more commands if we are to experience peace. And they're all about yielding our life to him. And the first one is this. Paul says, test everything. Test everything. We Christians are called to reevaluate how agitated, how tumultuous we've allowed our celebration and our lives to become. While the rest of the world hurries and worries, you know what God does? He calls us on us to hold fast. Hold on to the good, the good of this season. 
the good of what God is doing on our lives. And what do we do with the rest? We discard it. And so is our Christmas season a time of peace? Well, if not, then we are called to examine our lives. And then Paul commands, hold fast. Hold fast to what is good. And then finally he says, abstain. That means to stay away from the evil. And so when we face that chaotic temptation to be swept away, whether it's in the commercialization of Christmas or whether it's in the controversies of social media or or the news media or in the pain of politics, when we're caught up with all of that and we're not experiencing peace, we know that is not from God. And we are to abstain from those attitudes and instead pursue peace. And it is never too late. If our celebration of the coming of our Lord whether it's this Christmas season and it's already for you been anything but peaceful, I want you to know that you can rely on Paul's final hope-filled words. Let's look at this together. In fact, let's read this passage together. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. That is a promise. He will bring you into peace. But you must obey his ways. You must yield completely. Only then can the God of peace ensure that the Prince of Peace finds his way into our hearts, into this season, and into our lives. But we must be ready to yield completely to his ways. I heard the bells on Christmas Day is a famous poem written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It was later set to music. You've probably sung the song a few times. It was written during the Christmas season of 1863 in the middle of the bloodiest war in American history, the Civil War. The carol's first verses are very familiar and very peaceful. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. In music sweet, the tones repeat, there's peace on earth good will to men. But you know, that, that's not just cotton candy. That's not just words. That truth is the beating heart of God's people laid bare. This is a carol that still rings true today. By the time we get to the third stanza, listen to these words. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's a little bit darker take on things, isn't it? Longfellow wrote to his dear friend Henry Ingersoll Bowdwich in 1866. These are his words. He says, the death of the young men in the war makes my heart bleed whenever I think of it. How much I have felt for you, friend particularly on that cold December night when I came back with my son and saw you at the train station and knew that yours would come back to you no more. 
That's the landscape, the background in which Longfellow wrote his poem. Now, we aren't currently entrenched in a literal civil war, but the cracks in our country's foundation are splitting wider. People with power abuse and people without it suffer. Day after day, the news cycles through horrors and crises and pandemics. And some days, it feels a little bit like the end of the world, like the apocalypse might be near. But then Longfellow, he brings the gospel to bear in the final triumphant stanza of his song. Listen to these words. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to man. And so friends, God has invited us into his eternal kingdom. The kingdom that will rise above the hurts and the heartaches and the frailties and the fears of this world. The very last thing we see in scripture in Revelation chapter 21 is an image of a new heaven and a new earth with no more death or mourning or crying or pain. That is the promise of hope and of eternal peace that belongs to each person who knows Jesus. This world that we live in is always ending, but one day it will end permanently. Justice may never be done in this life, but one day it will roll down like a river. But until then, until then, our prayer is that we may experience peace this simple Christmas season. Not just during the season, but every day. And we can do that when we live obediently and when we yield completely to God's Spirit. Will you pray with me?